The flexible display is fundamental to the foldable experience. Hey, what a fucking concept. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, it's Samsung Galaxy Unpacked, July 2023. That means foldables, it means watches, it means tablets, it means the most iterative update we've seen year <laughs> over year ever since the beginning of the foldable revolution started in 2019. And that's what we'll be talking about for the most part today. We'll also hit on the new Sony WF-1000XM5 earbuds. ChatGPT is now on Android. And Samsung had just a real bad quarter. So we'll end the show as we try to every week on a down note, just leave you <laughs> miserable while you leave while you head out. The it's door. it's always either a down note or a movie review. Those are the two roads. Oh, we hey, can we can we can also talk about Oppenheimer. About, yeah. yeah, and then leave you with both a movie review and a down note. I mean, it's not a depressing movie per se, but it's it's it's, it's a kind bit of, of a bummer. Kind of I would say, yeah. If you take stock of it yeah. as a metaphor for today's world, which I'm sure Christopher Nolan wants you to do uh anyway as always will saddleberg tired yes. sleepy yes full of full of uh passion visual <laughs> visuals of of uh <laughs> nolan's beautiful cinematography that's true we were up early i think both ara and myself were up early yesterday for the 7 a.m <laughs> samsung event and then instead of going to bed or whatever i went and saw a 7 30 p.m showing of Oppenheimer so we all make good decisions and Ara how are you I'm wishing I was back in bed the way I was half an hour ago dear god I needed to catch up I did not get we're a whole lot of sleep we're recording Tuesday this night. at 10 18 <laughs> folks this is not some early morning podcast 10 18 a.m on a Thursday all right we'll get right into it uh so Ara can can crawl back into her cave <laughs> And then get some more shut eye. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, after this, I need to write about how um, leather cases are dead and should stay dead. Oh, okay. That's a, a hot take Thursday over yeah. here. So Samsung brought a bunch of people to Korea and then relegated a few more people to New York uh, who couldn't go, had its big unpacked event. We knew everything. I mean, last week, if you listen to the show, we got everything right. Yeah. The leaks were correct. <clears throat> Will, you went to New York last Friday and did a big hands-on session. Yeah, like basically right after we recorded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also had a chance to go hands-on with the devices after we recorded. It honestly was underwhelming in almost every respect because not only were the leaks accurate, but the devices themselves very iterative. We'll start, I think, with the most exciting product, which is the Flip 5, this new flex window that Samsung is calling it 3.4 inch display. It allows you to scroll between a dozen or so widgets that are optimized for this new bigger screen. And then right now, the way it works is that there are a couple, maybe five or six apps out of the box, YouTube, Netflix, Google Maps messages that are optimized that you can just like open and use. But it's not like the Razor Plus where you can just mimic the entire Android experience with a launcher on the front screen. Unless, and Will, I want you to get into the unless here because this is possibly the most Samsung thing I have ever heard in my life. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. How do you activate a launcher that allows you to navigate Android as a whole on the front screen? So I am aware that not everyone has used a Razor. So really quickly, I want to say, here's how you access an app on your phone on the Razor's front screen. You tap the app panel. If the app is already enabled for the front screen, if you've already accepted that, you just select it from the list. If not, there's a little edit button that gives you a full list of every app on your phone with the exception of settings. You select it. It now is checkmarked. You close that and now it's in the list. You tap it and you're good to go. On on the on the... Galaxy Z Flip 5, you go to the Galaxy App Store. Galaxy Store, right? It's just called Galaxy Store? It's the Galaxy Store now. Yeah. yeah. You go to the Galaxy Store, you download Goodlock. 
if it's in your region. If it's not, this process is not for you. Then you download the multi-star module for Goodlock. You open the multi-star module in Goodlock. You t- you tap a button that says I heart galaxy foldable. Um, Not a joke, folks. This is a real thing you have to do. You have to tap a button. This is more steps than the Android Easter egg. I heart with an emoji. It's, it's a Unicode emoji. Galaxy foldable. In This is how you activate a real feature that many people are going to want to use. Like yeah, but many people won't know exists. Are gonna have to go through this process. I think the bulk of people will not know that this is even an option. If we do our job correctly, sure. Let's let's just say we have a website. <laughs> sure. It's called AndroidPolice.com. We have a CMS, and you have some fingers and some snark. I think you can handle this. I think we can help people out. Well, I mean, you don't even necessarily need an article. All you need is like a 30-second video of like split screen activating a cover screen app on a razor and activating a cover screen app on a flip five next to each other and then you will throw your flip five in the river and go to the motorola website and buy a razor plus am i also a little bit crazy for thinking that the razor actually looks a little bit better than the flip we'll get to that in a second the design and the the build quality but i wasn't actually hadn't finished the steps uh you have to then then it's not enough just to do that you have to enable the launcher that opens a special secret menu of settings and options to select you enable the launcher you then select in that preferences menu which apps you want in that app launcher in the multi-star launcher you then go back to the main screen which is a samsung especially compared to motorola has like more than double the widgets on the front screen it's like 15 different panels you can swipe between and the official apps uh so that's like daniel said it's like whatsapp two messages apps youtube uh, maps and netflix for some reason they live separate from the multi-star. Like you will now have two apps lists on your phone. You can then launch whatever you want to launch. That's the process on the Z Flip 5. Can I just say like, I'm somebody who has done Android theming. Like I still mm-hmm. use K-Widget on a semi-regular basis. And all of this sounds exactly like what you would need to do if you were doing like root theming once upon a time. It feels very like 20... 14. And I'm sure this I'm process gonna, only yeah. takes like five minutes, but then it's a matter Less. of every time. Yeah, yeah. But then every time you want to add an app, it the, has yes. to be its own You have to go thing. into multi-star as opposed to, again, like I said, like I, I just added Snapchat. Not that I'm going to use it on the front screen, but when I was like walking through the razor, I did it in my hand. I had the razor in my hand so that I could make sure I got the steps right. And that's how quick it took. Like, I don't know. It's very easy, it, which is so odd because like, I Samsung does a pretty decent job at what one UI is not my favorite Android skin, but it, it does a pretty good job at making things like relatively easy for, for both like regular and power users. But there are times like this where they're like, well, some people might want this, but just put it in good lock. And it, the second you put something in good lock, it is convoluted and messy. Well, and like, no, the second you put something in good lock, it's no longer a feature of the phone. Okay, it's that's a feature also of that. good lock. Yes. yes. And good lock is amazing. Yeah. I love good lock. Good lock is not where system features should be stored. Like good lock is where I go if I want to like add extra stuff to my lock screen in terms of like widgets or placement or whatnot, because the default widget placement on Samsung lock screens is kind of crap. But at the same time, this is one of the like main things your phone needs to do to compete now. And you stuck it in a nesting series of apps that are not available for more than half of your markets. No, no, no. Let's be very clear here. Samsung does not want people to use this. They could have very easily integrated this into the core menu. They could have even put it into the labs. So there, there are two ways to do this, right? One is when you go into the Samsung settings, Right now, you can activate this feature. I believe it's not in the labs area of the menu, right? It's just in like the cover display or display settings. Yeah. And then you go in and you tweak the the apps that you want to show. Yeah. They could have just done what they did with flex mode and added in the labs area of the core Android settings an override where you can force an app and there will be some sort of warning like there is on the Razer Plus, and you just go and you just use it, right? And it may not work properly, but that's the risk that you take 
right? and to be fair, like most things work fine on the Razer Plus. Well, like I, yeah, I, yeah. Here's the thing: the super tall format of the cover screen on the Fold Five and the large screen for these foldable tablets; those are all relatively like new and weird formats. The format for a cover screen is not something that is new to Android because we've had like the Unihertz Titan and the God, dating myself, the BlackBerry Priv series. We have had plenty of Android phones with squarish small screens. The Priv wasn't that. It was the Passport, wasn't it? The The Priv had a normal screen. The Key 1 had a square screen, right? It, maybe, yeah, yeah, oh, sorry. I that's, that's what it was. The Key 2. The Key 1. Yeah. yeah. The Key 1 and the Key 2 had a more square screen. Yeah, but even then, the it was taller than it was wide. I mean, this is as close to one-to-one as you're going to get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, basically, the only thing you really have to do to most apps in order to make them functional on the cover screen is just scale down the uh, formatting of, like, your top section bar and whatever possible side menu you have. Like, for the most part, a square screen, even if it is small, will still be functional. I can open Slack, for example. No problem on the the Razer's outer screen. Is it maybe how I want to have, like, a 30-minute conversation or whatever in Slack? Not really, but if I need to check messages, you know, for a couple minutes while I'm on the subway going to a Samsung thing in New York, like, it totally gets the job done. It is big enough to scroll through messages, stuff like that. It's not going to be perfect for every single app you want to use, but I'd argue that Slack or spotify which is apparently coming or all sorts of apps would be better fits than two of the six apps they have here which is youtube and netflix especially netflix it's like who is that for like i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense i will say zkd and i were talking about cover app support and he's like oh yeah yeah, my wife watches netflix on the cover screen of her z flip (laughs) four and i'm like well I'm sorry, what? I mean, that's the choice. And granted, I know why. She, uh, and once he explained it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I do something similar because I just listen to the audio only portion for uh, I just basically listen to Netflix or YouTube or whatever with the video off. But yeah, it's and that there. Correct me if I'm wrong. The list is very small. There are no music apps on the cover screen apps list, correct? No. no. Yeah, that's insane. Like, Again, I understand Spotify that- is apparently coming, but it's not here at launch. And YouTube versus- is a is a music. Yeah, app I guess I guess you way. could do hey, you no. could do YouTube, but it's not YouTube Music specifically. All right, so I don't want to linger too much on this because yeah. while this does apply to early adopters and kind of pro users, I don't think that will be a showstopper for most people. Um, sorry, I have a doorbell. I'll be right back. Sorry, Jules. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this live on the air. I just got a God. little little care package. Z From... Fold Five, yay! Yeah. Z Flip Five, lucky bastard, you got both. Oh no, no watch. I would oh, love no. to get my um, the Samsung devices that I'm reviewing in the mail, but uh, but not yet. And I'll leave it at that. I also got the Mint version. The Mint version. So like Everybody the, got the mint flip. Yeah, that's the good one. It is the good one. It's a it's the it's, best it's, color. It's a cute color. Can can we all right, let's talk design then since you brought it up. So, yeah, so let's, let's talk about the hinge. That's sure. the other big thing. Is it? Yeah, I think it <laughs> is. If okay. I guess I, I I don't so this is what I mean when I like I don't know. Like I, I held it and I was like, yeah, it's flat now, but like I don't I don't feel like giving Samsung props for doing what everyone else already did. Like it is a change, I guess. And to be fair, I did not have a, a flip four next to it the way that I had a fold four next to the fold five, but it didn't feel particular. It was it's obviously a little thinner, but it doesn't feel that much sleeker or thinner to me than the limited amount of time I've used a, a flip four. So this is what I'm happy about, right? It's not that it's closing the gap literally because the gap is insignificant it's not a showstopper for me especially on the flip four right the fold four yeah like there's a pretty noticeable gap but in day-to-day use it just makes the device a little thicker and some people may argue that it allows crud to get into the inner display more easily i was specifically waiting to talk about like this is a huge change for me mostly because i'm just tired of all the lint accumulating along the inner screen screen protector because that's what having that little channel would do. It's like, oh, I have that this tiny channel. That will not channel. change. I am yeah. fairly confident because I've used other foldables. Oh, I I've know the lint will still accumulate, just maybe not in those amounts. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. But I don't, 
think that is as long as you're I don't know, not stuffing like cookies into your pocket while you have your phone in there. I mean, some parents. I was going to say, you, Daniel, you do what you got to do. This I've been your, there. You're a, this is something you're going to run into, I'm sure. But I don't think it'll be an issue for most people. I think the more interesting part of the conversation, the more relevant part is durability. So Samsung says that it's simplified the hinge. It's now a teardrop hinge like the other manufacturers, Razer. Xiaomi, Huawei, Oppo, they use wider hinges that allow their devices to close relatively flat, similar to Google. But there's a durability question, and Michael Fisher brought this up in his video yesterday, which you should go watch if you haven't seen it. It's led to quality control problems for Samsung's foldables, especially the fold, right? People have just woken up and their display has cracked or pixels have died and there's really no cause for it. And I think it is just a repeat wear and tear issue with the hinge that's leading to cracks in the OLED display, right? It could be the ultra thin glass. It could be the adhesive that they're using, but Samsung has said that the quality issues, the spontaneous cracking, that should be eliminated or you know, greatly reduced in this generation. So it's for me, it's more about maturity and ensuring that people who buy this product won't necessarily have to worry and fill up Reddit with stories of spontaneous cracking. But yeah, aesthetically, like it's not a big change. No, and 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 it, there's no reason to spend time in this, but I find it frustrating that they've switched back to a glossy finish on the flip. But whatever, that's just my personal on technique. the outside. You mean the aluminum? Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking design. I what I wanted to say was that like your comments on durability bring me to like my overall take on especially the fold, but also kind of the flip, which is that like as much as this is a fifth generation product, these and especially the fold really feel like they are still just kind of like. No, we want first time buyers like we do not expect a fold for or a flip for owner. I know are the trade in deals on the flips especially are good, but we do not expect those people to necessarily buy year over year upgrades. We are still trying to make these mainstream products and the more durable they are and the more refined they are, no matter how small the changes, especially on the fold, that's going to bring in more people. The bigger issue for trade ins and whatnot, especially the carriers like. I know AT&T will give you the Flip 5 for free with the trade-in the same way they did with the Galaxy S23. I believe Verizon and T-Mobile are the same way for select plans. Right. I'm curious if people really like trading their phones in that frequently, though. Like, I, I think even... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about, like, full, Flip 4 users. Well, I'm talking no, about, like, yeah. S10 users. And that's one thing. I just mean that, like, I know that if you're jumping from the Flip 4 to the Flip 5, you can get it for, like a hundred something dollars after tax or whatever but you can get it for 50 if you were smart and did the reserve page like we told you to well, do but two weeks you're ago you're paying full price taxes is my point like are like oh, taylor's shocker 70 dollars tax instead of a thousand dollars for a phone that's what i'm saying it brings it up to 120 150 dollars basically anyway my point is even if that deal's there i don't know if everyday users want to jump through the hurdles of like actually changing their phones when like i think a lot of people are just like well like the thing i have now is fine it's a combination of three things. It's a what Daniel was talking about, how we're like people will just wake up and the screen will have cracked or the screen will have dead pixels. The more frequently you upgrade, the more you reset that clock on how much your screen has been used and how much your battery has been used. Uh, so once you combine the two of those with resetting the clock on security and system updates and getting that big new screen for Flip 4 owners, the Flip 5 upgrade actually does make a whole lot of sense, even if it's just an unlocked upgrade. Uh, for anybody else, getting into a Flip 5 is, through a carrier is ridiculously easy. It's just a question of whether or not unlocked buyers are going to want to trade in for it. Right. My point is that I don't think regular people consider a lot of this. I know people who have older phones with terrible battery life right now and are still like, I'll upgrade eventually. I think most people, like, especially these days, even if there are good deals, even if there are good trade-in deals, like hesitate to like, jump out and get a new product i don't know it's it's something i've been thinking about i mean literally every single time i open my z flip 4 which i swear i'm gonna send back at&t i need to do that 
But every time I open that phone, doesn't matter how long it's been, doesn't matter how much or how little I've been using it. Every time I flick open that screen, I say a silent little prayer in the back of my head that this isn't the time that something finally breaks. Right, but you're a power user. You're not you're not a normal you're an enthusiast. We all are like normal people. I don't think are really thinking about that until it happens. I disagree. If for no other reason, then there's a reason that everybody buys a screen protector, even if they don't buy a case. Oh, like see, I don't think everyone does thing. buy a screen protector if they don't buy. I think you've got it. I think everyone buys a case. I think most people buy both, but I see more people that have a screen protector but don't have anything on the back than people who buy a case and don't have anything on the front. Agreed to disagree. But I think we're foldable also cases get, are. A, well, if we're talking just foldable, sure. But I, I, I just yeah. mean in general, I think cases are a more common thing that I see than just screen protectors. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yes, the foldable cases are usually not uh, not very good. Hey, it's not that they're not good. It's just that they're super expensive. And this year, a lot of them are late. There are a bunch of other minor changes to this year's crop of foldables. I do want to talk about the Fold 5 a little bit. The main difference I noticed was weight. So in addition to closing flat, the Fold 5 is 20 or so grams no, lighter 10. than the just 10. 10 yeah than the Fold 4. And I had both of them side by side. There is a very clear difference to me. I definitely felt that 10 grams. I mean, well, it's also it, just it the fact that it's more flat, that. right? The fact that it folds flat, it also because it's thinner, it also I think that also helps it feel lighter in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. There's a an argument to be made, like a bunch of the people in who went to Korea, they got to handle a bunch of prototypes of the fold series in different aspect ratios. And that's something that I really, I was fascinated by, right? Because we're always railing against Samsung for not changing the aspect ratio of the fold series, making it slightly wider to match Honor and Xiaomi and Huawei. I think the argument that Samsung has made over and over again is that you don't necessarily want a foldable to be so wide and tall when it's open. And I think the compromise there is you make it narrower as a whole so that it's easier to hold in one hand when you open it. Well, right, because otherwise you run into the issue that I think anyone who's used a Pixel Fold has ran into, which is that like you don't always want it in the ultra wide landscape format. And so you're constantly rotating the device, which sounds like a minor problem And it. I guess it is, but it's still frustrating when it's, you know, you have to remember where the power and the volume buttons are. And you have to like, it's, it's just, it's more thought than you want to put into just like using your phone. Like you just want to kind of not have to think about like, how am I holding this thing? You just want to hold and use it. And I, Still disagree with Samsung's decision. I still sure. think that the front display on the Fold 5 is too narrow. Yeah. Even though the bezels are slightly smaller this year, there's no meaningful addition to the canvas here. It's still awful to type on. It's still just a bad experience for the most part. And, you know, there's a modicum of hubris or arrogance that I sense from Samsung not iterating on the design at all, basically you know, in this fifth generation. And I do believe that at some point, Samsung is going to have to come to terms with the fact that there are just better designs for its large-scale foldables. But yeah, the Fold 5, same camera, I mean, both folds, same camera hardware, basically. Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, which is not a meaningful improvement over the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, which came in the Fold 4 and Flip 4. Same battery capacities. Same battery, right? And the battery on this Fold 4 is bad. Just straight up, I'd never had good battery life on the Fold 4. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't yeah. like the worst, but I mean, compared to like the S23 Ultra, which lasts two days, yes. it's just not acceptable. I just wrote the versus comparison of the Fold 5, which obviously I have not used outside of a, a hands-on session, but I, I do not have battery estimates on it yet. And the S23 Ultra, which I have used and have reviewed, and... So for the battery section, I like referred to Ryan's review of the Fold 4 from last year, and he was getting about four to five hours of screen on time, which is, I think, what I've gotten whenever I've used it. And it's not quite double, but it's basically double on the S23 Ultra. Yeah, it's, it's not great. So there's that. And then ultimately, the software improvements, slightly bigger, denser dock, minor upgrades to multitasking. You can now drag and drop. Those are all coming 
to the Fold 4 and earlier Folds with One UI 5.1.1. So there's really nothing from a hardware or software perspective that is going to entice Fold 4 or even Fold 3 owners, in my opinion, to upgrade to the Fold 5. The same price, $17.99. I think they flubbed it. Really, like this year, Samsung just flubbed the Fold. There are no meaningful improvements here. This is a same chassis year-over-year upgrade with some new colors, you know? It's just coasting. It's just purely coasting. And they have the market position to do it, especially in the US where they didn't have a Galaxy Z Fold 4 competitor until literally a month ago. And so I get it. And we're going to see by all metrics of one plus foldable by you know the end of the summer, basically. But like they can basically coast on this because it's like, well, the, the Pixel Fold is first gen Pixel hardware you know, to a T, whether or not you want that is up to you. And then we'll see what the OnePlus device looks like. But I don't know if Samsung really considers them like a big rival. I wouldn't if I was Samsung. I mean, the OnePlus just isn't going to be sold as many places. Right. But I do think the OnePlus will be more refined hardware, just probably not necessarily as good of a software experience as Google and Samsung. Although I don't know if, if you're looking globally, you might the, the, the OnePlus foldable might be available in more regions than the Pixel Fold. So oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, like I get why they think they can coast, but even even compared to the S23 Ultra, which was another example of coasting, it's like even less new this year. I mean, the fact that like the cameras are unchanged, you couldn't even like or even, you know, I'd give them credit if this was the phone they announced and they were like in great news. Now it's $1,600. Like, I'd be like, you know what? Good job, guys. Five generations in, you've managed to make a a slightly refined product with a cheaper price. And instead, it's still $1,800. Well, but we know why that is. Uh, Because they like making money? No, because they need to make money. Like the mobile division is well. We'll get we'll get to a, yeah yeah we'll get to we'll get to numbers later. But yeah, no, they they're not in a position where they can lower the prices on any of these. Right. I would have loved if we could have gotten the fold down to like get it down to fifteen hundred. Even it's a much more even number, and it's something that it feels more like an incremental upgrade. Because let's see, eight hundred for the S twenty three, a thousand for the plus, twelve hundred for the ultra, and then fifteen hundred for the fold. That feels like a natural progression. Going from 800 for the Baby S23 to 1200 for the Ultra and then jumping another $600 to the Fold, that's where you have your chasm between slap phone and foldables. Well, this is a conversation maybe for after the reviews go live, after my review of the Fold 5 goes live. But like, I just firmly do not believe in my heart that there is $1,800 worth of value. Like, I, I feel like we've gotten so used to the Fold series costing about $1,800 since 2019 that we have forgotten that like you can go buy a MacBook Pro for like $1,600 on sale. Like you can buy a lot of stuff that is more powerful. And just because it folds like I'm supposed to, you know, we're just past that. And so as much as Samsung's mobile industry might be not doing great financially, I'm also like, I bet you could probably figure out a way to cut the price by one or $200, sell more units and make more sense as a product. But yeah. It's also one of those things that we paid more because it was like, oh, this is an early edition of a product. There's more R&D right. involved. Yes, There's more exactly. risk involved. And I'm like, it's been five years and you haven't changed your design much in three. Exactly. This is the point where you are no longer bleeding edge. That is exactly so you should not what have to it, yes, pay exactly. like that. Yep. Basically, I would assume that to a certain extent, every generation has gotten easier to to produce, right? And so by that, I would also assume it's gotten a little cheaper to produce. And you can do this. I don't see a reason they couldn't lower the price. But I also, I know the smartphone industry. (laughs) When was the last time we saw a phone arrive cheaper than we expected? I guess the Pixel 6, maybe. But I guess I'll give them a sliver of credit, a sliver for bumping the Flip 5 up to 256 starting storage 256 gigabytes that I mean, samsung makes all the memory well chips, yes. right yeah so it, i don't think it's a ton of lost margin there a sl- i also want to mention sliver. sliver of credit no no yeah. maybe i mean like this is interesting right because samsung also announced its q2 earnings yesterday yeah. it continues to have a very bad year profit dropped 86 percent year over year the memory projections are down this is an unhealthy market in semiconductors at the moment. Inflation is, is having a massive impact on consumer spending. I think 
the costs are up, R&D costs are through the roof. People are not buying phones as much as they were in previous years. Demand for memory chips in, in laptops is down, obviously, because people are buying fewer computers than they were during the early days of the pandemic. You know, we think of Samsung as an electronics company, but it's not really. It's a semiconductor company that happens to sell phones and TVs and all these other things and microwaves and, and shit like that. But one thing that I found really interesting about this report was that Samsung is looking into selling a cheaper foldable as a way to entice people into the category. And it's been doing that for a couple of years. And while we haven't seen a US release of the 699 or it's probably 799, we don't know the exact price yet, Razor, that will be the target price, I believe, for a quote mid-range foldable that inevitably will come to market, right? And it'll likely be a vertical foldable like the flip, not a larger foldable like the fold, but still I can see Samsung releasing, say, a $1,200 Fold SE and an $800 Flip SE at some point in 2024. Slightly lower margins, obviously, but much, much more widely available. Just generally more interest in that product the way that any lower cost phone brings interest into an entire product line. So I'm wondering if this is, I, I don't know, but I'm wondering if this is sort of Samsung's last year of playing it safe because they have no choice now that there's increased competition both in China, in Europe, and in North America. They've never really been competing in the foldable space in all three regions before. Honor is now really competitive. Xiaomi, Oppo, Vivo, they're all releasing really high quality foldables. Huawei is making a comeback in a big way in China. And now we have OnePlus and Pixel in the US. And with Razer as well on the clamshell side. So yeah, I think there's no question Samsung will need to stop resting on its laurels going into 2024. I just think this was the generation to do the cheap one. Like, I, I just feel like <laughs> it, if, it if you're going to make a boring set of phones, and I'm sorry, like, I know the Flip 5 has a big screen on it. I, I still find, or like a bigger outer screen. I still find it boring. They've been marketing, especially the Flip 4 in previous weeks, like crazy. Like, I just think this was... Or even just keep the Flip 4 around as basically their $7.99 hypothetical Razer competitor. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think there were, like, ways they could have done this. Like, I, I think they're going to be late to doing a cheap one. I don't know. I mean, they did that with these at the S20 FE, right? They released essentially a Galaxy S20 slightly modified six months later at a cost $300 less. But it was essentially the same phone. But then they immediately screwed up the FE series with the S21 FE, skipped the S22, and now they're now it sounds like the S23 FE is coming. It sounds like we basically got VP confirmation of it this week. But like the rumors for that phone, I'll peg it with a Exynos 2200, which is like a terrible chip. So like, who knows how that phone will go? But they haven't gotten the FE series right since the S20 FE. So like, I don't... <sighs> It feels like their lineup is a little bit of a mess right now, but they're also they also just can't like looking at these earnings. It, it's almost like they can't cut prices, even though that would probably do a lot to at least move more units. But it's just yeah, I agree with you. But I also think there's a high likelihood that they have a finished product that they're waiting on to get those margins to where they want. Right. I just don't think that they can justify it with the company's current financial situation being as dire as it is. My guess is that even today, releasing a $700 flip FE or a $1,200 fold FE, they're still going to be losing money on those phones. If not losing money, then like barely, barely profiting. So the economies of scale for foldables, even for a company like Samsung, is still very, very difficult. And my guess is that they're waiting for a better economic outlook to release that product. Obviously, the compromise is higher revenue, lower margins. You increase overall revenue, but it may eat into your profits. That's not something Samsung's willing to do right now, but it's possible that in a year they might. Or even, you know, who knows if the S24 cycle will include an FE foldable and then they sort of go back and forth, right? They release a cheap foldable every year at the S line. And then the more expensive ones in, in the You summer. just want more reviews on my plate. I yeah. do. I'm <laughs> he does. Just, I'm just 
fantasizing about torture. Daniel's like, what if they released like 18 phones at one event? We have, I mean, we'll they did release all of nine products. <laughs> Let's get to the other products because we yeah. spent the entire time talking about the phones. Let's talk quickly about the watches. So Watch 6, Watch 6 Classic. Ara, what are your thoughts on this cycle of watch releases? I might be the only one who's excited about the regular Galaxy Watch 6, but the reason that I am excited is because it essentially is cheap, or at least cheaper at launch. Even though the regular watch went up, the Classic went down, which is great because the 5 Pro was just ridiculously expensive. So having the Classic back to $400 and having the regular at $300 now a, it makes it easier to remember the prices on these, but B, Samsung is also giving us more incentives with it, especially for current Galaxy Watch owners. If you have a Galaxy Watch 4 or a Galaxy Watch 5, you can get the Watch 6 for about 100 to $200, depending on if you did your reservation credit or not. Samsung is also still running the any smartwatch in any condition gets $50 off. I really wish they had kept that at uh, $70, $120 the way that they had for the Watch 5 series literally up until launch day. But I don't really care as much about the sleep coaching if for no other reason than the sleep coaching is something that is almost entire. It is entirely software based at this point. That is not something to do with the watch. I know because I have the majority of the new sleep tracking through the One UI watch beta. This was as iterative as an iterative upgrade can get. They took away colors on the actual Watch 6, which I was pissed about, but that's purely aesthetic. But they've made the watch something that is dependable and a more reasonable product overall, even from a value perspective, especially because, and I wanted to say this a little bit with the full when we were talking about pricing and like FE models, all of these products are going to get like $200, $300, uh, well, not the watches, but the phones are going to get $200, $300, maybe $400 for the full sales between now and October. Like, you know it's going to happen because that's what's been happening with the Galaxy S23 line on Amazon. Like, I want to say if not once a week, then at least twice a month, we'll see those be $100, $150, and $200 off. And I know that this is going to happen for the foldables as well. So I think instead of releasing like an FE, just if we see more frequent sales or more frequent trade-in enhancements from Samsung, ideally that should help offset costs enough to get people to actually upgrade and get into these new phones, which I see as being a more feasible play for Samsung as opposed to designing, building, marketing, and manufacturing an entirely new product that is going to eat into the regular product's margins while also being a slightly worse device. Because if it has to be $300, $400 lower than what's already there, then you have to cut corners. And if you can't do that on your screen or your hinge, you have to do that on your processor. And I do not want to see an Exynos-powered flip or fold. Let's go over like the very minute details of the Watch 6 series. There's slightly slimmer bezels on the Watch 6 compared to the previous generation. Yep. Slightly faster Exynos 930. Uh I won't say fa slightly faster until I actually use the watch. That's part of why I didn't talk about it now, because we're jumping from a 920 to a 930 for the Exynos chip that is running the watch. The bigger impact there is going to be the two gigabytes of RAM. So having more memory should right. ideally help this watch, especially when doing any intensive activities, workouts or whatnot, and or whenever you're trying to multitask on this watch, yeah. which is rare but difficult. But yeah, other than that, slightly bigger batteries to accommodate the slightly higher resolution screens. Was it a higher 40 resolution? 40 mil and 44, which yes. is standard on the 6, and then 43 and 47 mil on the Classic. I am happy that we have a small Classic again. Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a small watch, but no, slightly slimmer bezels. It's also a millimeter thinner than the previous generation. So it will, it does, I've tried it on my wrist. It does feel slightly more compact. But it's not a small. Does it feel watch. any lighter? No, I mean I don't think so. I never thought the watch series was particularly well, heavy. Well, it's not like, especially the regular watch six. It's not particularly heavy. I just wanted to make sure that we didn't, because I remember the pro. Uh, the I didn't pro even notice, honestly. Feeling like, no, it was Taylor who did the classic. I was going to say I remember somebody with the pro complaining that it felt heavy. Oh, that's probably me. It's a heavy watch. <laughs> well, yeah. The, yeah, the classic is heavy. Right? Yeah. It stayed in the The Watch seal. 5 Pro so, was a, like, dinner plate. It was, it was... Yeah. Yeah. But the Watch 5 Pro was still aluminum, 
or it's titanium. So it's it's still only slightly more uh, heavier than the Watch 4 slash Watch 6. Yeah. The 6 Classic is 77 grams. So it's almost three times the weight of the Watch 6. The Watch 6 is 29 grams or 33 grams. So the Watch 6 is a wisp. It's barely there. It's a little heavier than the Watch 4, but not not much. I think what's interesting is like Samsung's really leaning into the bigger battery here. It's leaning into just making the Watch 6 Classic feel like that timepiece that people wanted out of the Watch 5 Pro. The Watch 5 Pro, I think Samsung keeping it on the market is, I, I don't know if it's a good idea, but it is slightly more robust than any of its other watches. So it, I it mean, is it's more good. The for, titanium is more durable. We can all agree on that, correct? Yeah, it's it's durable, but I've, I don't know. I've never found the aluminum on the watch, the previous watches, to be scratch prone. Unless oh, you're no, like no, really no, going definitely crazy not. But for like for anybody who wants a smartwatch for like fitness, but they want a smartwatch that actually like has proper apps and has more integrated Android support than like Garmin, the Five Pro can still make sense in those circles, especially when the like good smartwatches from Garmin and the others are like a thousand dollars and the. Uh, 5 Pro is 450. I would not trust the fitness tracking on the Watch 5 Pro at all. Like, I just still don't think Samsung takes fitness tracking seriously. Its sensors are not accurate. It's just not a great fitness product compared to Garmin's or at the Apple Watch or even Fitbit. Coming from that, I would want to transition over to the like the new heart rate zones and the irregular heartbeat notifications. Whenever they were going through all of that, I was like, wow, that all sounds fantastic, except that I've never gotten ECG to work consistently. It's been about 30% better since the One UI Watch beta started, which should hopefully spell good things for the six. But at the same time, like my heart rate on any given hour will have a range of like 55 to 115. For like almost every hour, you're not getting great consistent heart rate readings for me. And I'm somebody who wears my watch tight. So anybody who wants to have like any any level of looseness and comfort, you're going to instantly lose the accuracy for any of those readings because you need constant, consistent contact with your wrist. Well, I mean, I would very much like you to see a doctor, first of all, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope your heart's OK. But I, I also, yeah, I mean, I just don't think. Samsung puts really high quality sensors in its watches. They're not they're not great. It's been proven generation over generation. This new one leaves me no reason to suspect that's changed. I, I hope so. The one in the Watch 6 series is new. It has, as you said, irregular heartbeat tracking, uh irregular heart rhythm tracking. Um it, it has cycle tracking now. Cycle tracking is nothing to do with the watch, everything to do the, with the software, and no women should use it anywhere. Why? It creates an electronic record of your cycle and in an age where people are starting to criminalize abortion again, if you start tracking your period anywhere and then stop, that can be used as a record against you of, oh, your period stopped, you stopped tracking your period, you must have gotten pregnant, which is an incredibly paranoid thing for me, but also women's privacy experts have repeatedly said, if you're going to track your cycle, write it down somewhere so that way there is no electronic record of it and it is somewhere that you can control and if need be destroy the record if needed yeah that is a very good point but also cycle tracking outside of doing it in preparation of getting pregnant or if you're trying to do something like treat endo like i am tracking your cycle is not necessarily as medically useful for a smartwatch as it is for anything else especially because cycle tracking is i don't want to say bogus science but it's also one of those things of your body will Hopefully your body is regular to you, and I'm very happy if it is. Mine is not, and period tracking has always just utterly failed. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm not going to get into details. We've been there. It's not great science, but it can be useful as a tool, right? Just like using your phone as a journal can yeah. be a tool, but absolutely right. I mean, if you get a warrant issued and you're- Subpoenaed. Uh, that was the word. And you get a subpoena. For that information, then that's problematic. That is not Samsung specific. No, no, it's obviously. for it's for any of them. But definitely something to keep in mind. Sorry, didn't mean to derail that. No, no, no. But it's, it's also it's something true. that is it, that will come to the Watch Four and Five. That is not specific to the Six at all. There is nothing physically in the Watch that will track that better. 
Yeah, I mean, the, I, I should say some of these features are not hardware dependent. They are arriving with Wear OS 4. The majority of the cool new stuff on the 6 will be coming to the 5 in, within a span of three months. Yeah. Assuming Samsung doesn't get something wrong in the bug tracking, but the, the beta has seemed fine so far. And outside of the watch faces, because the new watch faces either are going to be included at the last minute because literally nothing changes on them, or they're going to just stay 6 specific. The vast majority of the stuff with the Watch 6 and Watch 6 Classic outside of physical hardware design, all of that is coming to the older watches. It might be a little bit slower because of the older chipset, but outside of the 4 not having a skin temperature sensor, all of it is the same. All right, let's move on and talk about the tabs. I have almost nothing to say about this. They are the same as the previous generation in terms of size, in terms of price. Will, mm -hmm. you've seen them. Anything to say about them? No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. They are very big. They are very expensive. Yes. The OLED, the, 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 yeah, the, the main one, one has OLED, one. right? That's no, the, it. the yeah. small one. They all have The AMOLED small now. one. Yeah. The bigger one's had it already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what I mean. The main one. The, the S9 has, has an OLED display now. Th this is something I was, I was kind of thinking about while you guys were talking, and, and this is as good a place to say it as any, because I was kind of drawing from the tablet for it, but... Um, and, and maybe I need to write about this on the site. But so for the last two generations, I think Samsung has done like basically 18 months between tablet generations. So I want to say it was like February 2022 when the Tab S8s came out. I, I, I think that's right. And then it was 18 months before that. I thought the tabs were two years. No, uh, no, I believe they're I believe they're 18 months. The, the Tab S8 was definitely early 2022. And. I wonder, like, you know, kind of relating this to a boring upgrade cycle and Samsung's earnings woes of like, are we getting to the point where maybe we need to start seeing phone manufacturers adopt that kind of like slower tablet or, or laptop update cycle, upgrade cycle for, for smartphone? Like, why are they releasing new folds right now beyond the fact that they do it this time every year. Like, I wonder if it's like time for us to start being like, you know, maybe we don't need a new phone every 12 months. Like it maybe like it makes economic sense on all sides for them to not because like if people aren't upgrading, we said like upgrade numbers are slower, which is why laptop and, and tablet companies have have slowed their upgrade cycle for those. So if we're getting to that point with phones, especially, you know, we're three months from a, a new qualcomm processor that could be in yeah, you know they could they that's could announce the big thing yeah like i just I, I i don't know i i don't know if you guys have anything to say about that about that i don't mean to throw a wrench into this an hour in to this recording but but oh, yeah no, something no, no. i was thinking about that's the only thing i have to say about the tablets is maybe there's a lesson to be learned here once you get into a 12 month upgrade cycle moving the date for any of these is like trying to pull teeth we've seen this sure. with the pixel a series but i absolutely do not understand why samsung would announce their most expensive phones three months before the new chipsets come out considering was there a uh snapdragon 8 there was Gen not an 8 plus, plus? Gen 2. no yeah especially because there was no new chipset I do wish that we would get away from 12-month release cycles. I know that we're not going to just because this is crass consumer capitalism and we want to have the new shiny thing every single year, even if we don't necessarily need it. I wish we could get to a point where it's like, okay, Samsung releases its new phones in new phones in the spring, but one year it'll be like the Fold, the Flip, and like an S23 FE. And the next year it'll be the S24, the S24 Plus, and the S24 Ultra, and an F uh, or or a S24, S24 Ultra, and then like a flip slash fold FE. And this is why I say I would probably need to write about this because I would need actual numbers in front of me. But like if we're looking at these numbers and people are no longer upgrading their phones frequently, does this not benefit Samsung to not have to like put the R if their R&D spending is like insane, like they can slow that down and essentially like if they need to coast, coast on the Z Fold 4. Like I don't, I don't they know. They won't. Because they Apple won't. won't, because Xiaomi won't, because OnePlus won't, right? Like, I guess, yeah. But it just, Apple has set the cadence. Apple sells the the oh, right amount of phones. They're having issues too, like in terms yeah. of like they've what scaled back because the iPhone 14 post holiday sales never picked up. They scaled back their estimates for the 15, right? I think I saw that this week. Yes, but also yes. I read that they're ramping up again now. So, All right, well, who knows? <laughs> I think Apple generally outperforms 
analysts' expectations sure. when it comes to phone sales. They're, Unless they make a mini. There's, there's no reason to suspect otherwise this year. One of the narratives that I found interesting about Samsung's Q2 earnings is that for its home country of South Korea, more young people are now choosing to buy iPhones than Samsung phones. And that is a problem for the long-term prospects of, of Samsung's market share. This is, has been an issue in the US for years. It's why Samsung released the Flip series in the first place, to try to interrupt that cycle by coming out with something that's a little bit more enticing. That's the entire marketing to, campaign for it. Basically, it's like, yeah. you don't need an iPhone, you need something that folds that's a little bit small. It's a makeup compact blah, blah, blah. You can put your phone down and take selfies with the whole group, right? Like it's leading so much into the differentiation. It's the same thing that Google did with the Pixel Fold. They had that whole Pixel versus iPhone campaign that we talked about a few weeks ago. But I just, I mean, I don't think that they will. I don't know. I don't think they will either. I'm just floating a, idea. a concept. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's still annual demand for phones through the carrier system. And that's largely why that's true. I think yeah. Samsung understands this. And by releasing such a minor update to the fold and flip, they get away with keeping their margins high, reusing tooling and, and, and components while also filling the inventory that carriers around the world expect from an annual update. Cycle. So you're saying it's the carrier's fault. It's always the carrier's <laughs> I mean, fault. It's always carrier's I fault. Know. Can, can I jump back in here with just an absolutely like insane pipe dream yeah. of if we could slow down phone releases, it would be better for consumers. It would be better for carriers. Well, it would be better for manufacturers. It wouldn't be better for carriers. It would be also be better for the planet because whenever you release a new phone, everything has to be replaced. You need a new screen protector. You need a new case. You need new accessories for all of these. And the second you release a new phone, all the old ones are the ones that get discontinued end up in a landfill that's a huge contributor to e-waste and when we especially apple when we encourage people to trade in their phone year after year after year that just generates so much waste that even if you're trading in the phone and it's ideally being recycled properly which isn't something we can really rely on even in this age even if you recycle the phone there's still an amount of loss and an amount of wasted material and i don't know if that's necessarily something that we need especially at this point in like our fight against climate change our fight against like the dwindling resources that we have for some of these precious metals we need to be a little bit more responsible with this and i know it will never happen in a capitalist society this would never happen i would love to see us get to the point where all the manufacturers get together and realize okay we don't need to do this every single year to ourselves we don't need to do this and um, if we're going to really like step up and try to be environmentally conscious this would behoove us more than any amount of, oh, this case was made with at least 13% ocean-bound plastics. And all of our packaging is made with recycled paper. Like, all of those yeah, are drops 40%, in a... 40% actually, 40% ocean-bound plastics. So that negates your message entirely. <laughs> actually, they've done it right. There are cases that are made right. with 100%. <laughs> there are cases that are made with, like, I want to say either 70 or 100% ocean-bound plastics. That still doesn't help solve the problem. No, it's all bullshit. I mean, not all of it, but like at the end of the day, I do not believe that they are doing net good because they're using recycled they're ocean not. plastic because you're like e-waste is a real thing and, and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it, it's it's well, and even let's just talk about like the amount of carbon used in order to exactly. manufacture exactly. uh, to sure. even just to ship the raw goods before they are processed. And then you have processing and manufacturing and all of that. The amount of carbon generated by all of that for a phone that is 98% the same as last year is insane. Not to mention the private jet they had to book Sydney Sweeney to get her to Korea. So, <laughs> I mean, it's worth it. That was worth it. Uh, <laughs> Sydney Sweeney's the best. Okay, I do not want to soapbox the rest of this. No. So no, let's, let's, let's continue. Yeah. Tablets are what they are. Go read our coverage on the site. There's not a whole lot more to say is, about that. I think there's only one sentence that you really need, which is the base Galaxy Tab S8 is the same price as an iPad Pro. And at that point, really, Samsung? Yeah, yeah, it's it's bananas. Tab S9. I mean, it's they're interchangeable, but exactly. Yeah. All right, Google. Google has pushed a... They, they've released a blog post saying that they are pushing developers to improve their large screen apps in a number of meaningful ways. They are redesigning the Play Store for 
these devices for foldables for larger tablets. They're also going to be ranking apps higher in the list of editor's choice and, and other sort of qualitative roundups when they are optimized for these larger devices. So you have all of these sort of curated areas of the Play Store. Google likes to say, hey, you should play this game or you should download this app. If your app is optimized, it will stand a higher chance of being featured in these roundups, which is great. There's a split screen search as well in the Play Store, which is gonna happen fairly soon for foldables and tablets. I think this is way overdue, but yeah. has to happen. So the best news of 2013. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know what took this long because this is something that has needed to happen literally since the Nexus 7 10 years ago. So hooray for finally getting around to the base thing that you need in order for tablet apps to actually be developed with any real gusto. I don't think this will have a, a huge impact it won't. on developers. It's but too late. It's a good step. All right, let's keep moving. Twitter is no more. You've heard that it's now X. We were going to spend longer on this. I don't think it deserves to it be doesn't. any longer we, than it we, needs to be. So We already said what was going to happen with this app seven months ago, and it happened. So It's gross. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Okay, the other thing that <laughs> has been very, very popular on our site this week is that the ChatGPT app is now available for Android. It's actually still not available for me because I'm in Canada. It's only available in the U.S., Bangladesh, Brazil, and India. Uh, it'll be released more widely next week. Uh, so by the time you hear this, it might be available in your country if you're not in one of those four. It's very much just a web wrapper from what I can tell. Yeah, I used it before we recorded and it, it it's basically just like a mobile site in that. But like, you know what? It's good. I can put it on my home screen. Great. Yeah. I'm just curious about how people are using ChatGPT on their phones because it's still kind of annoying to type long queries on a phone i don't like typing for long periods on my phone and i only ever use chat gpt on my computer on the web so i do wonder how different the queries will be here given that the way that i use search on my phone is so different than i do on desktop and all of my searching is done sort of through either discover or the dedicated google app on ios and that's just my workflow. And I'm curious how people are going to integrate ChatGPT or other large-scale ML chatbots into their workflows on their phones. So, yeah, I mean, I use it a fair amount, but never on my phone. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I, I've kind of been unable to find like a really good way to build ChatGPT or really any other AI kind of tool into my every day. But like, I also, I, I guess I also just like haven't, maybe experimented enough with like how it could fit into my workflow, but I'm also spending most of the day writing and I wouldn't want to use it for that. So I, I don't know. Like not I, yet. I, not until Google has its say. God. All right. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're all doomed. All right. And then finally, Ara, the Sony F WF 1000 XM fives are here and they are glossy. This is yeah. one of the most anticipated earbud releases of 2023. They are a lot of money. $300 US, $430 Canadian, which is disgusting. Yeah. They're available for pre-order now. No, they're, aren't they available for sale? I thought... Oh, they are. Sorry. They're available for pre-order in they Canada. They announced these on a Monday afternoon, the week of Samsung Unpacked, and said, oh yeah, these go on sale on Wednesday, exactly when Unpacked is. And I'm like, do you hate me? Like, you can, you can say it if you do, but really? So what are the high-level improvements here? Over the fours. The size of the drivers, I believe, has increased from six millimeter to eight point four millimeter. We have a slight increase to the speakers. We've got our normal tweaks to like the ANC and the sound profiles. I honestly didn't dig as much into the XM5s as I did all the Sony stuff because I have been running around like a chicken with its head cut off. But it's all minor improvements, which begs the question of why we got a price increase this generation other than inflation. Because Sony loves to increase the prices of its and products. And they did the one thing that literally nobody asked them to do and everybody begged them not to, which is they made it shiny. Shiny for any other gadget would be okay. You do not want anything that is glossy and shiny and can show or accumulate oils and dead skin cells and all of the other crap that normally gets on your earbuds. 
All of that looks 200 times worse on something with the shiny background. No, I want to rub my earwax into into a glossy finish earbud. That sounds good to me, actually. I mean, tr- like, to be fair, the AirPods have this problem way worse because they're white. Yeah. So if you yeah. have any earwax at all, you take that earbud out. It is very visible. Well, there's, there's a white most model of these, though. You can recreate no, that. No, it's... <laughs> yeah, but nobody well, does. I know, I know. Let's be honest. They call, okay, and they call that silver. That thing is, like, maybe a pewter, but it it's a very light it's beige. beige. I was going to say And the beige. reason Gross. that it is that color is, I think, specifically because that color, it's easier for, like, dead skin scales and some colors of mucus, to, uh, especially dried mucus. <laughs> or Don't not say the muc- word mucus Sorry, on not the mucus, podcast. Not mucus. Earwax. I'm mixing up my bodily fluids. Um, <laughs> no, there's none of that. <laughs> It's been a but, bodily uh, fluid heavy episode of the Android Police podcast. Yeah, this is, it this, has. is this, this episode has been too moist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have that aversion to the word that most other people have. Moist is a fine word for me. It's something that I associate with food that rather than all the other nasty things that people think of. But yeah, you no, just made everybody think of the most nasty possible iteration <laughs> of that word. So very well done. Hey, if we have to live in a nightmare, I can at least remind you about it once a day. Um. Sony specifically chose that color, I think, in order to try and minimize that. And they did great with that with the XM4s. Like, I don't notice my buds are as dirty until I actually look at my third-party earbud tips because those are black and everything shows. But yeah, and Sony went to all this trouble to try and, like, blend it in as much as possible. And then they made it glossy to where everything is not only more visible, but because it is, it's a smoother texture, everything is going, you're going to feel every little bit of that in your hand whenever you take these in and out as opposed to the matte and more like textured outer casing on the XM4s. So I don't know why you did this and I don't know what hurt you in order to do it. But at the same time, I'm still looking forward to testing these because these are probably the still going to be the best wireless earbuds you can buy. I'm really hoping I get to ask test- me how much they are in Canadian dollars after tax. Just please, please ask me. Oh, after, after tax? tax and VAT after and tax. all that. Uh, well, uh, there's no VAT. I mean, the tax. Is uh, well, the VAT, sure. But, but like, oh. like you have two taxes. So it's, uh, uh, well, yeah, both taxes are, are so one. 500 and it's, it's $580. $580. No, no it's not that okay. bad. It's $485. Oh, that, that's the hey, after tax price. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I yes, thought 480 you, you, was, you the... said 480 are so according to prices, right rules, you win. Wait, I thought for, you said 480 earlier. I thought that was the price before tax. No, he said 430. Oh, yes, I heard 430. 430. $429.99, $55 right. in tax. It is exorbitant in my cart right now, which I might or might not be filling. So <laughs> I, I just, I have a problem. I'm, I'm a masochist. I, I spend money on things I don't need, but I might. I skipped on the fours. I have the threes. They were fantastic. I did not buy the fours, but I'm about to buy the fives. So I will let you know how they are. Daniel, I, I just want to know what size, like, because you have so many like plants and pots. What size of pot did you fill whenever you made that oh, yeah. uh, that sick hero <laughs> with just like piled high with earbuds? It's, and uh, how many it's, were not? Uh, how how big of a pot can you fill with all of your earbuds at this point? So I've stopped actually getting earbuds because I don't I don't review them anymore. So I don't ask companies for them very much anymore. So I only get like the good ones. But I think I still have like eighty or ninety pairs of earbuds. I would say. 50 of them are in the big 12 inch pot that I have sitting on my shelf. It's fantastic. If I ever need to go spelunking for earbuds, or if I need to better than anything, if I need to fill my son's time with like just something to do where I like need to put him in my office while I'm working in an emergency, he will just take the earbuds out one by one, open them put them like take them out he doesn't put things in his mouth anymore thank goodness i was gonna say isn't this a choking hazard it is but he's old enough now that he like knows not to put the actual earbuds in his mouth he did before i i tried this like four months ago and it was a problem but a few days ago i did this and he he was so happy he, his new thing is that he just likes to open and close drawers and cupboards so oh, so earbud cases and, is just like heaven. it's just like a mini version of a cupboard that he just loves and he loves the little like snap you know like yeah. some of them have that nice um magnetic m- uh, magnetic snap sound mm-hmm. yeah he's he's in heaven anyway sounds like you need so, to get a z flip five i i have one i could tell you <laughs> i actually have a flip 5g like the first gen that i i i might give him if he ever no I, i'm just never just don't power it on just have him open it. and close it a bunch that'll be fun that's right yeah okay so yeah that's it the xm5s are available they are great all the reviews say that they sound 
slightly better than the fours, that they're slightly more comfortable. Battery life is slight. Everything is a little bit better. I really want to test the slightly more comfortable because I want to see like the like even like the minute changes. I want to know whether or not if I buy my mother a pair of these, if they will actually fit in her ears without her having to undergo the half month of oral pain that I did. Well, not oral, but ear pain that I did as the cartilage in my ears shifted in order to fit the Sony. Well, it is oral. It's A-U-R. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I no, think the I'm word like, is, yeah. I, 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 I said it and then I'm like, oh, wait, this is audio. They're not going to understand uh, that it's the other version. Role. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. We went way too long on this episode, but uh, it, it went it, it went places. It, it, it sagged in the middle, uh, sort of like me. And then it, uh, it, 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 ended, it ended on a high note. So we didn't end on a low note. We're not going to Oppenheimer you. Will, give us your like 30 second review of Oppenheimer just just to make people happy uh, or sad uh, depending on how you thought about I, it I can't believe Christopher Nolan tricked people into seeing a three hour talky adult drama at, at, in 70 millimeter IMAX theaters but good job to him movies are back amazing Barbenheimer forever okay that's the show uh, if you want to send us feedback send an email to podcastandrewpolice.com you can find Will on Letterboxd. Ara, where can people find you? On um, androidpolice.com slash author slash Ara dash um, You can find me on threads. That's where I've been more since Twitter decided to just turn into a black hole. Uh, it, it, sorry, much like how I won't uh, allow no, anyone to I, not I say HBO say Max. I don't want to say that because X, mar- X marks the spot. It is not like, unless we're just going to call it like basically a cross. It's crossing itself out, but it's not. <laughs> no. I hate everything about this. I still need, I'm going to have to like take it like the majority of a day going through the last of my Twitter, uh, the people of a, I follow on Twitter because I follow a lot of artists and I can't find them all. So I'm going to have to spend some time doing that to try and find them all in Insta and thread. So that way I can at least still follow their pretty art somewhere. But yeah, no threads. All right. Well, Find Ara on threads. You can find me on threads too. I'm at journeydan, like I was on Twitter. And uh, you can find all of us at androidpolice.com. Go read all of the fantastic coverage that Ara, Will, and the rest of the team worked on for Unpacked, as well as the coverage of our sister sites, XDA and Pocket Lint. And go watch Pocket Now on YouTube. That's it. That's the show. Thank you for watching. We'll be back next week with another episode. Less Samsung, hopefully. Will it? Uh, but it? That'll that'll be review units. Or I mean, review period. Uh, won't it? Will it? Or is my package not going to come today? So yeah, we'll we'll I'm, see. We'll see what the I UPS gods have in store I refuse to open UPS and check on the off chances. Like if I, it's a it's like a watch pot and never boils. I'm not checking to see if there's a secure uh, a, a shipping notification. So that way, hopefully, something will come. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.